0: Burbank, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself, the number one radio show in the Burbank area. Talking about one very special resident, Chuck Bartowski. Chuck, if you're listening on your way to work, how's it going? We're all watching you. We all know your truth. <laughs> My name is DJ uh, DJ Crazy Chris here, and I'm joined as always by uh, DJ. What is your name? That is, uh, I I'm
1: I I really want to call myself the Rock, but I think that one's taken. Um, I'm DJ Aaron Rip Roaring Rapids Arada.
0: Wow, DJ Aaron Rip Roaring Rapids Arada here at the Burbank Morning Show. Chuck, once again, we all know that you're a spy. We all know that you have feelings for Sarah.
1: I really want to make like, like talk radio, like sound effects, but I like don't listen to talk radio very much. So I just know that there are sound effects. And the only one I can think of is like a fart sound. So I'm thinking about dropping that in at some point.
0: Well, I can drop one in right here for you. Here we go. There it is. You like that? That was great. How about, Perfect. How about these other sounds? <laughs> we should just change the name of the show to Go Rate Zoo Radio Yourself, Zoo Zoo FM. I don't know. Morning Zoo. That's what that, they call it. Morning that, Zoo. Oh,
1: okay.
0: Uh anyhow, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. This is a podcast, not a morning radio show. My name is Chris <laughs> Gillespie.
1: My name is Erin Arada, but the Rip Roaring Rapids is still applies.
0: I can't believe you chose such a tongue twister for your name. <laughs> In this episode, we are talking about the television show Chuck, specifically the episode Chuck versus the final exam. It is episode 11 of season three, hashtag season of Aaron. And it is, uh, it is an episode. We're going to talk about it. In just <laughs> just a second, but there's some other stuff going on in the Chuckiverse that I would like to bring to your attention first.
1: Yes, very important stuff.
0: Very important. Maybe you haven't seen it. Maybe you have. Uh, but if you haven't, we have tweeted these things from at Go Podcast. We try to keep you abreast of all that's happening and fun Chuck-related things. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Patrick, whose handle is at pat three five five. He tweeted the other day. Uh, at Zachary Levi. Uh, he said, my 14 and a half year old border collie is a huge fan of Chuck. When he is feeling down, we put on an episode of Chuck to cheer him up. He is a lifelong fan. His name is Casey. He will watch Aww. an entire episode straight through like this. Uh, we did retweet that. If you haven't seen it, it is adorable. Adorable. Maybe the cutest thing that I've ever seen. It's just a dog intently watching an episode of Chuck.
1: And like border collies are like sheepdogs. And like, so they're very intent on things, they're very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and an intelligent dog likes Chuck. But what more do you need to know? It, <laughs> it's a good show.
0: I have so many questions. Like, does Casey have a favorite episode? Does he have a favorite character? I don't know, Pat. If you're listening and you want to come on, and we can we can do a brief interview. I don't know if Casey's Please. available for interviews. We would be happy to have you. <laughs> I think everyone has Either a lot of questions. You. Yeah. Yes. Um, how does Casey feel about like Shaw? How does he feel about Sarah? Just so many questions. How does how I, I can't imagine what goes on in dogs' brains? You know.
1: Well, uh, there's there's a couple films uh, that might answer this question. There's an episode of the Rugrats that might answer this question. Okay. Does does he see Chuck in black and white? Maybe. That's that's an important question. Mm-hmm.
0: Does he how Ugh. he just he can't? Does he understand what's going on? Maybe right. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> he what does he think's happening? Why does he like it? It's.
1: Does he get freaked out when Chuck flashes?
0: There's so many explosions. Yeah, does he get freaked out when he flashes? I don't know. But you trained him well, Patrick. I'm glad that your dog is a fan of Chuck. And I will always look at this photo when I need to be cheered up.
1: I also yes. would like
0: to give a shout out um, to SG Nelson, Twitter handle Thesaurus Addict, who tweeted at Zachary Levi the other day and came across my uh, my desk. But she built a, uh, a puppet of of chuck bartowski did you see this
1: i don't think i saw that
0: um i think it is being referred to colloquially as the chuppet which is of course a combination of chuck and puppet yes uh it is on our. all right
1: hold on i'm looking now
0: Uh, it's a the likely the likeliness of this puppet does look a lot like chuck
1: oh my god it does
0: he's got a tron poster he's ready to go to work he's dressed like he's a nerd herd associate
1: that's amazing that's
0: really impressive
1: I I mean, like, it should go in someone else's, like, bedroom space, but, like, I would be happy to have one of those in my room.
0: <laughs> but, so you would like to own one, but you just do, wouldn't want it to watch you sleep, basically?
1: Yes. But also, like, what I meant was I feel like, like, it, it's true home is with one of the cast or creators of Chuck or the cast or creator of the Chuppet. Mm-hmm. But if if there was, like, uh, another one, if they were ever mass-produced, Yes, it could come in my room. Um, Probably, no, I don't want it to watch me sleep. But, you know, if that's the price I have to pay for having a Chuppet, I'll pay it.
0: We haven't really seen Chuck's bedroom a lot in season three, have we? I feel like we used to be in it a lot. No, we mainly
1: see, like, the living room. Yeah.
0: Did they get rid of his bedroom?
1: Maybe. Maybe that's one of the things they had to downsize.
0: That sucks. It's just crashing on the couch now. (laughs) We we absolutely have never seen Morgan's bedroom, even though they live together.
1: No, I would, like... I actually I don't really want to see Morgan's bedroom, but I'm like kind of morbidly curious about it. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess we did see it when he slept with uh Karina.
1: That's true. Well, we did see it. We also saw it the night that um this was his old bedroom, mm-hmm. but the night that Big Mike and Morgan's mom were having some fun together, we did see Morgan able to hear that through the walls.
0: <laughs> true. Yes, Bologna. So, we haven't seen Bologna either. Yeah. So many I know. It's been, We miss
1: Bologna. It's
0: been a good season, but the heart wants what it wants, as Big yeah. Mike would say.
1: Yes. Do you know something really interesting? I've been reading up on, like, reviews of this season, mm. and people put, when they write Big Mike's name, they'll put, like, Big in quotation marks as if Big is the nickname. So it's just, like, <laughs> Big Mike. But that's I feel like it's that's not how his how I've understood his name up to this point.
0: No, because if it was just in quotes, if his nickname was big, then people would be like, hey, big, what's going on? But you really need the big Mike. But big Mike, actually, he features pretty prominently in this episode, Chuck versus the final jam. And it was a delight. Uh, It was
1: great. He was looking great. And we'll I guess we'll (laughs) get more on to what exactly made him look so great. Yes. I wanted to um, chime in with one one quick news on my part. This is Erin's uh, family reacts to her having a podcast corner. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna um,
0: race myself. I'm gripping yeah. the side of my desk.
1: It's a short story. My aunt texted me last night and she said, hi, what is your TED talk? And I was very confused. <laughs> I texted my mom and genuinely what I thought was, oh, maybe this is like a fun quarantine like chain letter exercise where she's like, what would your TED talk be on? What are you most interested in? And mm-hmm. I was kind of excited to answer because I was like, there's a lot of subjects I'd love to give a TED talk on. And then I asked my mom, and she was like, I think she means your podcast. And oh. I was like, oh, so uh, my aunt may be a listener and um, if. If on Sharon, if you're listening to this episode, it was a delightful mistake. I'm not making fun of you in any way. I was it it made my night. And I think uh if more people uh treated podcasts as if they were TED Talks, maybe podcasts would get a little bit more respect in this world.
0: Yes, that's a right, Chris? That's such a major problem, is that podcasts need to have we more deserve respect. respect. No. <laughs>
1: We deserve just as much respect as a neurosurgeon talking about how music affects the brain.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I, I, maybe you need to have a TED talk about why podcasts deserve more respect. I think that seems to be. I'll work
1: on that. Yeah,
0: that sounds really interesting. (laughs) I'll definitely watch that. I I just did air quotes like someone would be able to see it, but no one could see it.
1: I can't wait for uh, speech teachers at colleges around the nation to show my speech my Ted talk
0: and all the students to fall asleep in the middle of it and be like, why, <laughs> yeah. why did we watch that?
1: Yep, exactly. So speaking of college speech classes mm-hmm. and just college in general, you know, uh, exams, final exams, this is Chuck versus the final exam. And we are going to get into, um, our, this is kind of like our exam on the content of this episode, mm-hmm. uh, a verbal, is it verbal exam? Yeah. Is that what they're called? Yeah, this would I be, never had to do yeah, one like an oral exam. Yeah. Yeah, oral. That's mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. You can tell how cool I am. Um, <laughs> Aaron knows so a lot yeah. about
0: oral, folks. <laughs> sorry, well Aunt, I don't. The sorry, Aunt Sharon, that's <laughs> oh, not. No. No, I didn't mean it the way that you think. Aaron doesn't know anything about that. She, I know, I don't know why I know that, but she doesn't know anything.
1: Thank you. I, I think
0: <laughs> my TED Let's talk will be about it. why Aaron doesn't know anything about oral, <laughs> but not the way that you're thinking.
1: Okay, so um, if, you're, if you're listening to either of our TED Talks, that's great. Thank you for listening. But uh, now you're going to be listening to our podcast, which does deserve more respect. So this episode, Chuck versus the Final Exam, I started it thinking, I've seen this before. And then I realized I have actually seen the show before, so I have actually seen this before. The episode starts in a rail yard where a man who I thought was Matthew Perry, but is actually Kyle Bornheimer playing a character named Hunter Perry, is being chased. He trips and falls and says, don't shoot, and we pan out to see that Chuck is the one chasing him, and he's holding a gun. Hunter Perry tells Chuck not to kill him because that's what they want him to do, but we see Chuck's finger on the trigger. We cut to black, and then we hear a gunshot. (gasps) Chuck maybe shot someone. That's crazy. Immediately, we're in the Bymore, where Lester and Jeff are engaged in some kind of nerf battle. We find out that this happened three days earlier. Jeff chases Lester directly into a customer before shooting him in a clear parallel to Chuck's scene in the opening. They're interrupted by Casey, who tells them off for behaving dangerously in the store. He honestly has a point. They, like, knock somebody over. Mm-hmm. That's They probably shouldn't be doing this. Lester taunts Casey, saying he can act like a military tough guy, but he's just a schmuck like them. Casey responds by slamming Lester and Jeff's skulls together, knocking them to the floor. It was nice to see. I mean, I don't condone violence, but it was nice to see, like, you know conking some heads.
0: Well, Casey's probably very upset. This kind of hits too close to home, because now he is just working at the Bymore, because uh, Beckman fired him and turned him into a civilian. Yes.
1: Chuck rushes over to stop Casey from inflicting further damage and says they have to get Casey reinstated before he actually kills someone. We also get a line where Casey says baby steps, and Chuck says, more like baby kicks to the groin, which is so clunky and weird, but I loved it. Chuck says he's going to tell Beckman that he'll quit unless Casey is reinstated, Casey says he made his bed and now he has to lie in it, which is fair, except why is Casey still working at the Bymore? I guess the job market is really tough, but, like, I, he has experience, like, I feel like he could get a job as, like, a bodyguard or, like, a bouncer or something. Yeah. He might, he might have to, though, because he's immediately called into Big Mike's office. Big Mike. Quotes around the big. Ask Casey if he's planning to be at the Bymore for the long haul, and Casey says he doesn't have a better plan, so I guess that's her explanation. Big Mike tells Casey he can't be cocking heads in the Bymore, and we pan out to see Jeff and Lester are also in the room. They threaten to sue Casey, but he doesn't take them seriously. Apparently he's written, I am going to kill you, on his hand, which I really liked. When Jeff and Lester rush out, Big Mike says that Jeff and Lester weren't kidding about the lawsuit, and Casey really needs to shape up. Meanwhile, Chuck drops by Castle, where Sarah and Shaw have just returned from their weekend trip to D.C. Chuck asks what they did there, pointing out he has no idea what Shaw does for fun. We don't really get an answer, so I'm going to pose it to you now. What do you think Shaw does for fun?
0: Well, he's obviously very physically fit, so that he's probably really into exercising. That probably takes up a lot of his time. He's probably someone who goes to the gym a lot, finds a lot of purpose doing that. Maybe he went for a run around the National Mall saw the sites uh-huh. and was uh, uh-huh. having a little bit of time doing that. Um, he seems like he's pretty smart as well. He seems to be an intellectual, so he probably uh-huh. hit up some of the museums. And uh, he obviously enjoys the finer things in life, so they probably hit up some of Washington, D.C.'s many fine dining establishments. <laughs>
1: is, this, is this a commercial for D.C.?
0: Washington, D.C.,
1: do you think he got um do you think he got like the freeze dried ice cream from the aerospace museum?
0: uh, he doesn't really seem like someone who would put up with that. He'd probably feel like it's disrespectful towards people in the NASA or the astronauts that <laughs> like that <laughs> he'd be like this ice cream is for the astronauts. We need to save it for them. like, okay, that doesn't really make sense, but I guess that's pretty self righteous of you
1: a true American hero he is. Sarah tells Chuck they were in meetings discussing Chuck's future, and we find out what exactly that means when Beckman appears on the screen and says they're sending Chuck on another solo mission that will act as his final spy test. If he fails, he'll go back to civilian life, but if he passes, he'll be sent to Rome as a full-time spy, but he'll go alone while Sarah and Shaw go to DC. This honestly feels like a win-win for Chuck, like, considering what we've seen from him so far in previous seasons, Mm -hmm. but the only issue is that Chuck's concerned that Sarah's being sent somewhere else, um, because, you know, he, he loves her, so I guess, you know, it's not a win-win for him. It seems like the the thing that should happen if he fails is that he'll, like, get sent to live in a bunker, because that was always the threat. I right. don't know why that threat went away. Yeah. Um... Because that's, like, a little bit more incentive on him to pass the test. Like, if he just gets to go back to his normal life, he wanted that before, mm-hmm. so.
0: Yeah, he's very excited about potentially getting the job in Rome. Yeah. And because his cover is going to be a millionaire industrialist, and he's going to Yeah, gonna I mean, live that, in a villa. that sounds pretty fun, so, to yeah, be honest. So, yeah, that sounds pretty fun, but I also found myself yeah. wondering, like, you're still going away from your friends and family with for yeah. no reason. So it's almost like point. you're going to be in a bunker, but just a really yeah. nice bunker. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. It kind of seems strange. But overall, Chuck is very excited about this. And it does seem to yes. be a win-win in his mind.
1: It's a good opportunity. So well, the next morning, Chuck wakes up and Sarah is in his kitchen. She gives him an envelope with a portable DVD player in it. I <laughs> totally forgot those existed.
0: Such a big deal. I know. It's so silly now, but it was like, I can watch yeah. DVDs on the go. Yeah! Yes, I can watch a DVD on an airplane. <laughs>
1: So she tells him this is how real spies get their missions in the field, <laughs> and then sits back to observe and take notes on what he does. Despite feeling weird about her note-taking, Chuck gets his mission from the DVD player. Beckman says he has to stake out a hotel where a Russian spy is meeting with a CIA mole, or an NSA mole. I don't really know. He's a mole. That's all you need to know. Um, Chuck has to figure out who the mole is and presumably, like, get a look at his face. Chuck tries to talk back to Beckman, but Sarah points out that it's a recording because it, it is, like, a a portable DVD player, then the DVD blows up, just like Mission Impossible, which I watched the other day. It was pretty good. Oh,
0: did you watch the Mission Impossible before you watched Chuck and then you saw the exploding thing and you're like, ah, oh, it's that again?
1: I was like, oh, well, when I was watching Mission Impossible, I was like, ah, oh, right, from Chuck.
0: Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they borrowed <laughs> that from Chuck.
1: Yeah. So Chuck points out that this is going to be his and Sarah's last mission together. He's pretty wistful about it. Sarah is less so, but I I think she's putting on a brave face. She's mm-hmm. probably pretty sad.
0: And now I have to interject with a signature declassified scene provided by Woo! the box set of Chuck. The fine folks at Chuck. The fine folks. of I was using my portable DVD player to watch this declassified scene. I was not. I do not know where my portable <laughs> DVD player is. I was going to ask. You know how cool I was as like a teenager, as a as a youth, as a... 12-year-old, 13-year-old, I right. was able to find a way to hook up a my PlayStation 2 to a portable DVD player, so on road trips in the car, I would be able to play PlayStation 2 in the car. That's on... really
1: embarrassing, and also kind of <laughs> cool. I, I think we're going to be able to tell a lot about our listeners by whether they think that's embarrassing or whether they think that's cool. Well,
0: I will, then I'll just, so I got the idea for this after... I was playing GameCube in the car with a portable screen that I could attach to my GameCube and you could play GameCube on the go in your car with the screen that would attach to it. So then I was like, I wanna do that with my PlayStation 2. So then I was able to, to hook up my portable DVD player to that. Isn't that absurd? Isn't that ridiculous?
1: That's I mean, it's a lot of because considering now we have things like the switch, like it just is insane to me that you would have to connect one thing to another thing to mimic a third thing. (laughs) And then you probably you probably had to connect a controller to the DVD player. So that's like a third thing. Yeah, that's that's wild.
0: And then that will plug into the cigarette lighter in a car. Anyway, (laughs) this is irrelevant. The declassified scene that I want to talk about is Sarah leaves the apartment plaza after talking to Chuck. Casey exits his apartment at the same time, dressed for work, and sees her walking away. We hear someone saying, Om, Om, over and over again. And Casey hears it too, and he walks around a corner and sees Devin meditating on a yoga mat. As Casey approaches, Devin opens his eyes and says, Don't. Casey asks what Devin's talking about, but Devin says, Don't make a crack about my meditating. I need to get Zen bro. Stat." Turns out that Devin has turned to meditation to alleviate the stress he has about living next to Casey and Chuck. Devin then adds that he's been so wound up about uh, all the spy stuff and keeping secrets from Ellie that he, quote, almost took Ellie's head off while watching Top Chef the night before, <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh really hard uh, because I. What do
1: you think he did? I
0: don't know. I we like <laughs> Catherine and I are also watching Top Chef now. I'm like, was he upset because they had a like. Something happened in the show that he was upset about, or did they have Were a disagreement? Were they trying to,
1: like, mimic the chefs, and so he had a bunch of knives? I don't and know. Then
0: something sent him off the rails. Casey asks <laughs> what Top Chef is, and Devin says, quote, it's something that shouldn't cause marital discord. <laughs> Devin then says that Chuck is always telling him that he should feel safe, but he just doesn't. He then asks Casey if he should feel safe, and Casey says, yes. Devin thinks about it for a moment and then says, no, I still don't feel safe, and then returns to meditating, and Casey walks off to go to work.
1: I like that.
0: Well, good, because there's a lot more Devin that was cut out of this episode that I will be sharing throughout the course of our recap.
1: (laughs) Back in the Bymore, Big Mike has made it his mission to get Casey to change. Apparently that entails introducing Casey to a tailor named Clarence who is going to, I guess, make Casey a suit. (laughs) Casey is dubious about how this will change him as a person, but Big Mike insists. We move on to the hotel stakeout that night, where Chuck is looking good, if I do say so myself. Sarah enters and compliments him on his setup, which prompts Chuck to bring out one final briefcase packed with sizzling shrimp, Aww. champagne, and a classic iPod, which I feel like yes. I expected you to say, ah, about that part. but I
0: can't tell if Chuck is trying to come on to Sarah with the suitcase or he's trying to come on to me, because <laughs> either way, I think it's working.
1: He pours them both champagne, and we see Sarah looking a little surprised and dubious, Of course, Chuck isn't supposed to be drinking on a mission, which is something Chuck seems never to have learned. He also puts on music and tries to strike up a nostalgic conversation about their first stakeout in the Sizzling Shrimp episode. He says, you know you're going to miss me in DC, right? Which is honestly a little aggressive and entitled for Chuck, and I kind of wish he had worded that differently, but Sarah is just kind of reacts sadly. Chuck asks Sarah if she and Shaw will be living together in DC, and she says it's different, which isn't... I mean, that's not really like an answer to that question, but that's fine. He asks, different than what? And she says, then with you. Chris is making a face.
0: Well, this, it goes from being like a very awkward date to being like a really nice date all of a sudden. Yeah. And I, yeah. like the awkward date felt like the acting was so good in that because I was like, yep, I recognize this. This feels like many dates <laughs> that I've been on personally. But none have turned around so well as uh as Chuck's date goes.
1: I didn't expect to go back to the home theater room tonight, but uh, I guess we're there. Yep. So was many talking about his personal failures and dating. <laughs> Before Chuck can say anything else, his phone rings, and he pauses the music. Shaw demands to know why Chuck hasn't put in his earpiece yet, so Chuck pops that in. But once Shaw's off the line, Chuck just goes right back to trying to talk to Sarah, while she does her actual job and keeps an eye on the hotel. Chuck pours out his heart, saying he's been wondering about his decision in Prague, and if he passes this test and becomes a real spy, they won't have to choose between the job and their relationship. They can be together. Sarah apparently buys into all of this because Chuck leans in to kiss her, and she starts leaning in too, which was pretty exciting. Like, they haven't kissed in a little while.
0: Shaw interrupts and says that Anatoly's credit card was just used at the hotel spa and asks how Chuck missed him. Shaw says that, Shaw tells Chuck to get ready to go into the hotel and instructs Sarah to give Chuck a pair of eyeglasses that will upload everything Chuck sees to Castle's security feed, which Shaw happens to be monitoring. Shaw reminds Chuck of the stakes one more time, but we also see that Chuck and Sarah's potential relationship is riding on this mission as well. Chuck puts on the glasses and says to Sarah, this isn't over. Or, in the words of Chris Daughtry on his multi-platinum hit, it's not over.
1: It's a good song.
0: Chuck enters the spa portion of the hotel and speaks to the clerk at the front desk. Chuck tells the clerk that he's looking for his Russian friend, who he goes to spas with. And the clerk is unfazed by this and says that he believed the party just checked in. And Chuck will have to pay the daily fee of $100 to enter. And Chuck's all flustered. Chuck asks Shaw through his watch if he can expense the fee. And Shaw says, pay it, Chuck.
1: That was a pretty good Shaw.
0: I know $100 is nothing to sneer at, but the CIA has compensated Chuck Enough, right, for him to be able to take a hundred dollar hit. Like Chuck should be able to float a hundred dollars <laughs> at a at a, the spur of the moment, right?
1: I think so. And also, like, there have been other times when Chuck has had to like spend money for CIA purposes. So I feel like he, at this point, he shouldn't be asking that question.
0: Because mm-hmm. I mean, if Chuck's working off of his buy more salary, I get that a hundred dollars is a lot, and he wouldn't yeah. want to spend that. But they gave him yeah. the CIA gave him all that money in Chuck versus the Ring. But then he blew it all on that wedding. I don't know what Chuck's financial situation is. Anyhow, once in the spa, Chuck checks the men's locker room, uh, but it's empty, which I guess is both a bad and a good thing. Uh, Shaw tells Chuck to check the steam room. So Chuck has to change out of his suit and into a towel. Shaw tells Chuck to wait for a moment until the steam clears. As he says this, Sarah joins Shaw and Castle and Shaw asks what she
1: got there so fast, very
0: fast. Shaw asks what happened back there, and Sarah says that it wasn't Chuck's fault. Things just don't always go as planned. As the steam clears, we see that Chuck is joined in the steam room by three intimidating-looking men who happen to be Anatoly and his muscle. Shaw ascertains that the mole hasn't arrived yet. The clerk from the front desk enters the steam room and asks for one Ivan Drago, who, which is Anatoly's cover name, which also Chuck thinks is stupid because it's a name from Rocky Four. <laughs> Anatoly reads the note and says, uh, reads the note that the the clerk gives him and says that the mole is concerned about being followed. So he asks them to come meet him Them, uh, meet him in his room. Anatoly throws the note on the floor and he and his men exit as Chuck watches them leave. But Chuck is a jumpy guy and reaches for the discarded note before the guys leave completely. And the henchmen see him and ask why Chuck is so quick to pick up trash on the floor of a steam room. Which I guess is a valid question. But Chuck says that he's just doing his part to keep it green. Yeah, that's right, Chuck. Keep it green. But the henchman is not having this and enters a fighting stance, which causes Chuck to flash on Kung Fu and an intense fight ensues. And it is certainly one of the top five most intense steam room fight scenes I've seen in a long time.
1: (laughs) My question is like, the guys, I mean, I guess maybe the little piece of paper had like more information, but like, they said what they like what it said oh, yeah like, i, I know. read it out <laughs> loud i don't know why chuck needed it
0: i thought that it was gonna have the room number like The room
1: number right yeah. but
0: we find out in a second that it didn't so once he's yeah. out of the steam room chuck reads the note and as we're saying it just says like meet me in my hotel room it doesn't give a number yeah. at all um apparently he just didn't hear anatole in the steam room chuck doesn't have time to change back into his suit so he like only wearing a towel and his glasses he decides to sneak up to the the upper floors of the hotel he follows a housekeeper to an empty room and i think this is pretty clever he sneaks into the bathroom and then immediately exits as if he was taking a shower in that hotel room surprising the housekeeper and making the housekeeper leave thinking that the room is occupied
1: yeah Yeah. i mean i feel i felt kind of bad for her because it probably scared her yeah she
0: she, she seemed pretty scared but i think this is a good spy move
1: yeah it's pretty smart
0: once he's alone, Chuck walks into the balcony and starts to climb along the wall to get to the room next door, which happens to be the mole's room. I guess Chuck knew the ro- the room number this whole time. And I was really hoping that we were going to get to see the honeymooning couple from season two again.
1: Oh, that would have been amazing.
0: <laughs> also, I guess rock climbing is not in the intersect because it seems like Chuck is just on his own here. I would have imagined that he could flash on, like, the like scaling, a building. scaling rocks grappling, or climbing. Grappling? Or-
1: what is it called? Free
0: Solo. That's a movie, right? <laughs>
1: That's a movie. Yeah. I
0: keep thinking that it's about Han Solo. I get Han Solo, yeah. a Star Wars story, and Free Solo mixed up all the time.
1: Yeah, well, like it's it's kind of like when when Han Solo is like trapped, like you you want to free him.
0: Right. He does so, get free a couple yeah. of times in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, aside from complaining that he wishes he was wearing underpants, and uh, he almost slips a couple times, but Chuck sneaks his head into the balcony in the next door room where we see Anatoly speaking to another man. Uh, It happens to be the man from the opening sequence. They must be the mole. This man tells Anatoly that he's going to start dealing with the ring directly and no longer requires Anatoly's services. And then he stabs Anatoly in the stomach, killing him instantly. Chuck tells Shaw that the mole killed Anatoly and Shaw says, forget Anatoly. We've got to get a look at the mole's face. You've got to give Chuck credit here because he decides to imitate a bird call from the balcony <laughs> it ledge. That was very
1: weird. It was
0: very weird, very spur of the moment, but he does a good job and it makes the mole approach the balcony. Just giving Chuck um, a better look at his face. He sees him and Chuck's glasses scan the face and Castle is able to identify the mole as a CIA operative known as Hunter Perry. Shaw and Sarah are satisfied and Shaw says, way to go. Chuck excited says, I'm a spy. And then his towel blows off in the wind, causing him to say, I am a naked spy.
1: (laughs) I had some questions about the mole, like, being so interested in this weird bird call that he would, like, go closer to the window. But then I kind of thought that since being quarantined, any time a bird makes a sound outside, I'll just go look. Sometimes I make, I've gotten very good at morning dove sounds. I could just, like, make those because I'm trying to talk to the birds, so...
0: Well, you can't just introduce that and not do a morning dove sound. So can you can we hear your morning dove sound? Ooh, ooh. There you go. All right. That's my morning dove that was sound. That's pretty good. Back in Chuck. I am I for one am glad that everything has been resolved in such a clean, successful manner. Yeah, so, great. So earlier in this episode too, it's great. Chuck's a spy, everyone's fine. Uh we cut to a commercial and when we return, we see the exterior of a bustling subway restaurant. Big
1: Which might be another commercial. I read um, one of the A.V. Club reviewers said that they almost fast forwarded through this part as well because they thought it was a subway commercial, uh, which I mean, I guess it is uh, sort it, of.
0: It is in some ways. Uh, Big Mike enters wearing a fine suit. And to our surprise, Casey enters the subway behind him wearing his own Big Mike inspired fine suit.
1: It's looking good. Casey
0: asks what they're doing in a subway. And Big Mike says that Jeff and Lester are here getting lunch and they agree to drop the threat of a lawsuit. If Casey can prove to them that, quote, John Crazy is no more, they call John Casey John Crazy.
1: I feel like they could have done better than
0: that. I think it's pretty good. It's pretty clever.
1: All right. Sure.
0: Big Mike says to Casey, you look cool. Can you be cool? The four men, Jeff, Lester, Big Mike and Casey sit down at the table. Casey begins to apologize for roughing up Jeff and Lester the other day when a subway employee named Lisa delivers two sandwiches to the table. Lester says that Lisa needs payment for the two sandwiches and looks at Casey. (laughs) Casey says that he didn't order the sandwiches and Jeff says, no, I did. And then proceeds to scrape the tuna fish out of a tuna fish sandwich. And he puts the tuna into a pepperoni sandwich. Casey is disgusted by this.
1: I have some questions here. First of all, Subway doesn't work that way. You order at the counter. It's not like a table service restaurant. I don't think. Second of all, I feel like if Jeff had asked, the Subway employee would have just done that for him. Like, if he said, I want tuna with pepperoni on it, they'd, they'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Sure.
0: Well, I know, you know how some people are. You may just want to do it yourself. You might feel more comfortable. That's true.
1: But now he has all this extra, like, tuna-ish bread. Like,
0: I'm sure gross. he'll eat it later. I'm sure he can have a That's snack. That's fair.
1: Okay, sure. All right, go on.
0: Just as Aaron is disgusted about this, Casey is disgusted by this as well. And Lester says that apologies are uh, about more than just words. And oftentimes, they're about money, which is what this is. Lester and Jeff want Casey to pay for the sandwiches. Casey smiles and takes out his wallet and hands Lisa, the subway employee, a 20. And Lester tells Lisa to keep the change. Big Mike warns Lester that he's pushing it, but Lester says that he needs some kind of reassurance that John Crazy isn't going to return later. Casey promises that he won't bang up Jeff and Lester anymore. And Big Mike asks if they're cool and if they will drop the lawsuit, to which Lester responds that they're cool, but only if they seal their new new understanding in a time-tested way of breaking bread together. So I thought they were going to get a warm, fresh loaf from Subway's bread oven. But apparently, Lester and Jeff want Casey to bite into Jeff's halfie in tuna-roni sandwich. Granted, Casey is the same guy that had Chuck remove his tooth to maintain their cover in Chuck versus the fake name, so Casey easily takes a bite out of Jeff's sandwich. Perhaps for the first time, Casey don't give a shit.
1: <laughs> I, like, I want to be clear about the tuna-roni. I don't really think that sounds that gross. Like, I don't eat tuna or pepperoni, but I don't, like... I feel like people like both of those things and combining them doesn't sound that weird.
0: Elsewhere at the Orange Orange, Chuck enters with a spring in his step and asks Sarah, who is cleaning the counter, uh, when he can expect his international spy union card. Sarah says that he did a great job the previous night at the spa and asks Chuck if he would be free for dinner that night. She asks him if he wants to go to the restaurant Tracks, which is located in the union station. Chuck agrees right away and Sarah tells him not to be too excited. Chuck says that he's as cool as ice because he's a real spy and then exits the orange-orange while pumping his fist like a train conductor and honking.
1: Choo-choo! Choo-choo!
0: At the buy more, Big Mike tells Casey that he made him proud. Casey says that it feels good not to be so wound up all the time, and Big Mike says, Subway can soothe the tummy and the soul. Chuck approaches and asks what's going on, and Big Mike says that Casey's a changed man. Once Big Mike leaves, Chuck tells Casey that he is also a changed man. He confides in Casey that he passes for a solo spy test. Casey questions this, but Chuck says that he's passed with flying colors and wanted to give Casey a thank you present for all his help. Chuck hands Casey a box and says, I don't think Castle will miss it. Casey opens the box and it's a handgun. Not that it needs to be like wrapped in anything. I don't think there's like tissue paper in the box. It's just like a gift box with a gun in it. Typically, this would make Casey happy, but he pulls Chuck aside and asks him if he knows that it's a uh, felony to steal a weapon from the federal government. Chuck is unfazed, and Casey says that it was a very thoughtful felony and holds on to the package. Chuck is unconcerned as he says that everything is going so well. Chuck explains that he's going to dinner with Sarah that night, and Casey asks Chuck if he's certain that he's completed his mission. Chuck says that he is, and Casey tells him just to be careful out there and to be ready for anything. Chuck exits casually, and Casey watches him leave somewhat concerned. We then get another declassified scene. Let's check in with Devin, see what's going on.
1: (laughs) I was wondering
0: Chuck returns to his apartment and finds Devin practicing yoga in the courtyard. Devin is clearly in the zone, but then Chuck yells at him and says, Hey, sorry to interrupt. And Devin says, you and John are really bent on messing with my chi. Chuck apologizes and says that he didn't know there was chi to be messed with. Chuck says he just wanted to give Devin the good news that Devin won't have to be worried about Chuck's spy life anymore. Devin asks what asks Chuck what that means. And Chuck says that he's got a promotion and explains that he's going to be moving up and out. And soon he will be far away from Ellie and Devin. And De- uh, Devin won't have to worry about being in harm's way. Devin gives Chuck a hug and says that they'll miss Chuck, but it's for the best. Chuck then says that he thinks that he and Sarah might get back together, too. Devin is happy and gives Chuck a double fist bump, one for the job and one for the girl.
1: I like that because I feel like um in uh, in the next episode, I think that there's a lot of like chatter between... Devin and Ellie about how Chuck is leaving, and I didn't know exactly how they knew that. So this makes sense as explaining that Chuck had explained himself to Devin.
0: Yes. But not to Ellie. And I will be getting into that in a moment.
1: Oh, great. Okay. Sorry. Not in a
0: moment, but a little bit later. Uh in Castle, Sarah and Shaw are talking, and Shaw says that he's gonna have Perry the Mole meet Chuck at Union Station that night. Sarah asks if Shaw wants Chuck to arrest him, but Shaw says no. He wants Chuck to kill Perry for Chuck's red test. Uh, Red test is like when you kill someone as a spy for the first time. Sarah says that she doesn't want to be a part of it, and Shaw will have to go with Chuck instead. Sarah says that she doesn't even know if she wants Chuck to be able to kill, but Shaw insists that Chuck needs to be able to kill in order to be a spy. Sarah points out that Perry could kill Chuck if Chuck hesitates, and Shaw reminds her that that's why she'll be there to protect Chuck if things go south. Shaw says that if Sarah tells Chuck to kill Perry, Chuck will do it. And I don't know, this, I feel like this scene probably took place before chuck and sarah talked in the orange orange
1: do you think so well
0: because it just like chuck's all excited about going to dinner with sarah but she's like don't be too excited like she clearly is withholding information and it seems like i I just
1: assumed i assumed that she knew that the test wasn't over but not that she knew that the test was chuck killing like i assumed she thought he was just gonna have to arrest him
0: oh okay Yeah, I don't know. That was my assumption. It it seemed pretty loaded. It seemed a little bit heavier than... It seemed like Sarah knew what was going to happen, but...
1: That's fair. I don't know. Maybe she suspects.
0: Later that evening, Chuck arrives at Union Station and finds Sarah sitting at a table by herself. Uh, She's wearing very fancy clothes. Chuck sits down and compliments her, and uh, Chuck is just beaming. He's so happy. Chuck apologizes if he came across too strong the night before on the stakeout, but he just wanted to let her know how he felt with everything that's going on between her and Shaw. But then Chuck realizes that he needs to thank Sarah for her help. But Sarah asks him not to say that and then tells him that he needs to just stay calm. Chuck asks if Sarah has a surprise for him, and Sarah says that it's something like that. Sarah then hands Chuck another blue envelope like the one before and says, Your mission isn't over, Chuck.
1: The envelope has a picture of Perry in it. Sarah says that Perry has killed countless civilians and agents, and he's continuing to put the nation at risk by working for the ring, which is why Chuck has to kill him. Dun-dun dun. dun,
0: dun.
1: That was my dove sound again. Oh, someone let a dove story.
0: into a union Clear. station.
1: Yeah, sorry. There's, I mean, it, it happens. Sarah hands Chuck a gun wrapped in a napkin. <laughs> Everybody's just giving people guns in weird packages this episode. Welcome to
0: America. <laughs> sorry, didn't mean Chuck to is- have such scathing political satire. Oh, that's should've, okay. Should have given you a trigger warning. Oh, it was a pun. Okay, everything's good now. Continue.
1: That's your TED Talk. Chuck is flabbergasted by this and says he can't kill someone. Sarah says it's the only way he can become a real spy, and Chuck deduces from this that it's the only way in which they'll be able to be together. That being said, Sarah doesn't really seem to want Chuck to kill Perry. She says it's his decision, but if he doesn't do it, he'll just go back to being Chuck, which isn't a bad thing. Chuck doesn't know what to do, but it's time for Sarah to bounce, so she leaves right as Perry arrives. Chuck frantically hides the gun, while Perry comes over to Chuck's table, saying he hopes their meeting doesn't last too long. <laughs> he's, he's, like, coming in pretty hot here.
0: Yeah, what does he think that they're doing there? It's not really clear why like what Perry thinks that he's doing with Chuck, why they're talking.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Chuck says he wants to show Perry some photos and Perry says he'll be happy to look <laughs> but he needs to use the restroom first, which is like I don't know. I guess maybe he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go say hi. Like, I mean, I think what's happening here is that he suspects that Chuck is on to him and he's going to go like hide in the restroom and like whatever, but I feel like in a real situation, if you walked up to somebody and like immediately sat down, like you sat down with them and then you were immediately like, actually, I have to go to the bathroom. And then you left. I mean, I don't know. You have stomach issues. What do you think about this? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like if I was on my way to a meeting and I just stopped into my local subway to eat a sandwich and then by the time I got to the meeting, I was dying on the inside. Um, Yeah. I don't think it's too crazy. I mean, I probably wouldn't sit down at the table. I'd probably, like, yeah. come up to the table, like, hey, I'm actually just gonna run to the restroom real quick, I'll be right back.
1: Yeah, but- or you could just go to the restroom, and then go to the table. Like, unless you think you're gonna be there for a long time, yeah. like you well, could just but Unless you want to be
0: punctual if you're trying to meet there at a certain time.
1: That's fair. Okay, sure. So, Chuck's uh, too morally compromised to see that this is probably Perry's escape attempt. But Sarah is looking on from the waiting area, and she sees that Perry gets up, and then Chuck follows him. Chuck draws his gun and follows Perry into the men's room, which is otherwise unoccupied, even though this is, like, a crowded train station. (laughs) Chuck starts kicking open all the bathroom doors to prove that they're unoccupied, and when he gets to the last one, Perry bursts out with a knife. The video goes all slow-mo to the point where I, like, thought something was wrong with my TV. Oh, same. But, uh,
0: (laughs) yeah.
1: Uh, Chuck gets slashed in the leg, and then he flashes in the head and starts fighting Perry. He ultimately disarms Perry and pulls his gun. Perry tries to plead with Chuck and get in Chuck's head by saying that if Chuck kills him, he'll be just like The Ring, which Chuck buys into even if I don't. Chuck says he'll arrest Perry instead and leads him out of the bathroom with the gun to his back. As Sarah looks on, though, Perry makes a break for it into the rail yard, and we get the scene from the beginning, although now we know that Sarah is here, too, moving between the trains with her own gun out. Perry falls and pleads with Chuck, just like at the beginning. Chuck starts to ease up on the trigger, and we see that Perry is drawing his own gun, But then there's a gunshot, and Perry falls down dead. Chuck didn't fire, so he looks around to see who did. And it's Casey! With the gun Chuck gave him! Sarah runs out and sees Chuck standing over the body, and she's distraught. Shaw calls her to ask what happened, and she says Chuck is a spy. Back at their apartment, Chuck points out to Casey that he technically failed his spy test. Casey points out in turn that Chuck can't tell anyone Casey pulled the trigger because Casey is a civilian now, and what he did was murder. Chuck starts having an identity crisis because he's a spy, but not really a spy. Casey tells him he's not a killer, and Chuck says thanks, which I thought was kind of nice.
0: What's Devin doing this episode? Let's find out. We have the final declassified scene of the episode. I figured. As Casey watches Chuck enter his apartment, Devin exits his apartment and asks Casey if he's heard the good news. Chuck is moving far away, which means Devin and Ellie will be able to return to their normal lives, and that Devin can stop meditating. Casey says that things have changed but they've only gotten more complicated. Devin is incredulous and says that he can't take this anymore. He says that it feels like it's never going to end, and Casey says that it won't. Devin asks Casey what he means, and Casey says that Devin and Ellie need to get out of Los Angeles. If Devin wants out of the spy world, he and Ellie need to just disappear. Casey says that he knows Devin doesn't want to hear that and apologizes for the rough news, but then says that when Devin is ready to disappear, he'll help him do it.
1: So this explains so much of the next episode, <laughs> and I don't know why they cut it or why they didn't put it in the next episode.
0: I feel like they use a lot of, there's a lot of action sequences in this one, more action sequences mm-hmm. than normal, and there's mm-hmm. the chase scene. So all of that is just time that they would have to use. I, yeah. I feel like they would have to cut out the dev and stuff to allow for those more, which I, mean, that's I, I thought was a good choice. I I agree with the decision. Yeah.
1: I don't know what Casey is talking about, though. Like, why are they unsafe? Like, if Chuck is gone, like, why do they need to disappear? Why now? I don't know.
0: Well, because it's like, if, I don't know, it's the same thing with, like, superheroes. And, like, when someone finds your secret identity or they find your loved ones, then they can get them. Like, if Chuck's in Rome and someone finds out, like, who's this guy? And they find like, oh, he has a sister and a brother-in-law in Burbank.
1: Yeah, okay, I guess that's fair. Chuck, meanwhile, goes into his own apartment to call Sarah. She doesn't pick up, but he finds another envelope on his table, and it has another portable DVD player, as well as an ID and a gun. I I point out here, the government must be going through so many portable DVD players if they just keep sending them and then blowing them up. I know. It's, That's crazy. It's very,
0: it's very unsustainable. It's not yeah. cool that they're just blowing up electronics like yeah. that.
1: Beckman says that she sent Chuck a plane ticket to D.C. for his final induction, and it leaves that night. Chuck tries to call Sarah again, but she declines his call. We see her talking to Shaw about how she didn't think Chuck would really kill someone. Shaw asks if she's still in love with him, and she says not anymore. She tells him about her own red test, where she was asked to kill a woman with nothing more than a photo. She says it was the worst day of her life. Meanwhile, Chuck gets a knock on his door. He thinks it's going to be Sarah, but it's an agent there to bring him to the airport. Now he's a real spy. The end.
0: The end, and that is Chuck versus the final exam. Did he pass, Um, or did he cheat? Sounds like he cheated a little bit. Casey helped them cheat.
1: Yeah, cheating? Cheating is bad, kids. It's very bad. Don't do it. I mean, I guess maybe there's maybe there's some circumstances in which it's like it's okay. I don't know. Maybe it's more like maybe there's like gray areas, but generally cheating is cheating on your exams. Not as good. Mm-hmm. Not that good.
0: Pretty uh pretty heavy end to an episode. Lots of yeah. action. Sarah's very upset. Chuck is a spy, but not really. Casey is helping offering to help Devin disappear completely.
1: Yeah, well, we I mean, I didn't see that, but that's no, no. that makes sense. But I saw
0: it. Shaw, you know, Sarah says that she's not in love with Chuck anymore, which means that she yeah. was. Yeah. Sarah had a red it's test crazy. that we got to see. Killed this this woman who she thought was innocent.
1: I have I have a sad thing to note here. Sure. Um, apparently, I I haven't seen I've only seen one episode after this so far, so I can't say for sure that this is true, but according to Wikipedia this is the last episode in which we see the orange-orange, and also the last episode in which we see Sarah in her orange-orange uniform. Really? So that's pretty crazy.
0: That is crazy. It is the I don't
1: know if ever. I don't know if it means-
0: In the season or- Yeah. In the series? Um,
1: I guess we'll have to see. Because I know Castle continues to exist, but I don't remember if the orange-orange does or not.
0: hmm Yeah, no, I kind of feel like it's the end of an era with that, just like yeah. uh, the end of Chuck's spy missions. Yeah. Well, can
1: we, can we have like a quick conversation about like some, um, the AV club review that I read pointed this out, but I also like, I was thinking it like, it's kind of a weird double standard. Like I know like Chuck is kind of like the audience surrogate and who we relate to and like his innocence is part of his character, but mm -hmm. also like, I, I guess I get like what the characters of like Casey and Sarah are thinking like sort of, but I feel like. I don't know. I feel like when I first watched this, I absolutely bought into the fact that like, oh, if Chuck had killed someone, he would be morally compromised and he wouldn't be the same person. And I was on Sarah's side, why you wouldn't love someone who had killed someone. But also like, we as the audience still love Sarah and Casey and we see them kill people like multiple times. And we know that they've killed like dozens and dozens of people. Like, so again, I kind of get where Sarah is coming from, but it's also like, it's it's very weird, and it's a very like weird perspective on a show about spies and like how like they can't. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird
0: because then it's also like Sarah is drawn towards Shaw, but Shaw presumably has also had that yeah. kind of violent past, and it, yeah. it is a weird thing because it's like it's like well you you're fine with Shaw killing people presumably, or maybe yeah. you're not, but like maybe she's not cool with any of it, and she's just doing it because she has to, and she doesn't. Yeah. Chuck doesn't have to, so he shouldn't.
1: Yeah. I think the Shaw thing, like, I think that Sarah's motivations here, like, sort of, like, they're complicated, but they make sense, but I don't know the show's feelings about, like, death and murder and whether it's okay or not, and whether it's okay for Chuck to do it, and, like, I I don't know. I don't remember if Chuck ever kills anyone or if he gets out of, like, out of the spy business with his, like, morality intact, but I just think it's interesting that we have so many characters who do, like, kill people on the regular, and, like, it's just this one instance in which it's portrayed as so bad. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I know two people who kill things on the regular, and it's you and I in our segment Chuck Mary Kill, where we uh, pick one part of this episode that we'd like to marry and one part of this episode that we'd like to kill.
1: So, My Mary, I, um, it's, it's a short one, but I loved when Big Mike was first, uh, reprimanding Casey, and he said, you can't be conking heads in the Bymore. it's the Bymore." <laughs> I just, like, I really laughed at that line, just, like, the delivery, and also, um, the, just the line in general, you can't be conking heads in the Bymore.
0: You can't, it's just too much, you can't it's do not it. not done. There's, you can get away with a lot of shit in the Bymore, but you just can't yeah, go but around not conking that. heads. Nope. Um. My Mary is also, I guess, the Big Mike B plot. I really enjoyed the subway scene. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed Big Mike just trying to help Casey be cool. And I felt like the subway scene was this kind of quirky, weird moment that we really don't see often in the series. Like, as I was watching it, I was like, I don't even feel like I'm watching Chuck at this point. It just feels so bizarre.
1: <laughs> like a sketch show.
0: Yeah, I appreciated how it gave Adam Baldwin a chance to explore different sides of Casey, like, apologetic and, mm-hmm. like, trying to navigate civilian life. Um mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess as a subway sleeper agent, I experience a deep sense of comfort by <laughs> entering a subway, which is typically followed by a deep sense of urgent discomfort. However, it was a, <laughs> a fun, memorable scene. Although I was wondering, were you thinking, because in the opening scene, when, or not in the opening scene, but the scene where Big Mike has the tailor and mm-hmm. he's he says that Big Mike has lost weight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Big Mike is holding a Subway sandwich, were you thinking? Yeah, I
1: did. Okay, I did think that there was going to be, like, a Jared from yeah. Subway kind of moment.
0: Where he's going to be like, I've lost weight because I'm Subway sandwiches all the time. I'm,
1: like, I'm glad. In retrospect, I'm glad that didn't happen, but I did think that that was, was going to go that there. That must
0: have been there, Hopefully, ideally without a Jared reference, but... <laughs> or I guess he who must not be named.
1: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so for my kill, um, I... I have some i am dubious in some ways about like the death stuff that i was just mentioning like the double standard mm-hmm. that seems a little weird to me but my main kill is i like i get the mission impossible reference but i feel like and also i know this was like in the past so maybe it was not like portable dvd players were like a little bit cooler at this time like as as we'd established but i feel like they could have had some cooler tech than just, like, Beckman is on a DVD and then it blows up. Like, it could have been anything that blows up if they want the Mission Impossible reference, but I thought it would have been cooler if they had, like, I don't know, like, could they even comprehend iPads at this point? Like, could have they have had, like, I don't know. I just thought they could have had something cooler than, like, a portable DVD player, because, first of all, that's kind of dated, like, at this point, and second of all, like, we haven't seen a ton of cool spy tech this season and mm-hmm. it would have been cool to see like, oh, they get their missions through this cool like glass thing. Like Chuck puts on sunglasses and then Beckman's on them and says his mission or like something. And also it would have been more sustainable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of because so. um, they're like, this is how these are. This is how real spies get their missions. Like, well, yeah. I mean, Casey and Sarah and Shaw get missions from Beckman in Castle on the TV all the time. And yeah, like in real time. So yeah. And does that mean Sarah and Casey and Shaw are constantly getting exploding DVD players that they're always disposing of? I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. For my kill, I think the declassified scenes actually shed some light on something and kind of helped me decide what my kill was going to be. I, okay. Something didn't feel right during this episode. And then watching those declassified scenes made me realize that it's strange how on board Chuck is with potentially going to Rome by himself and leaving L.A. Yeah. Morgan behind. Mm-hmm. He has no reluctance at all. And there's, yeah, you, you would think there would be some kind of separation anxiety. Morgan is not in this episode at all. He's at a conference. Chuck no. doesn't see him.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Ellie also not in this episode at all. Devin nope. originally was not in this episode. Um, but it just they're both out of sight and out of mind. And it just Chuck is abundantly happy about going to Rome and getting to be with yeah. Sarah. And he doesn't seem burdened at all. It just seems very out of character for him yeah. at this point.
1: I think that's totally fair.
0: So, now we move on to the scooter scale, which I guess the orange orange is joining the Wienerlicious and the the junk heap of discarded to go restaurants. I know we might Burbank. have to come
1: up with I don't know I I think it will always have to be the scooter scale, mm-hmm. but we might need to honor the orange orange mm-hmm. occasionally.
0: Yeah, some some kind of Froyo metric.
1: Well, we'll talk about it after the episode is over.
0: How many corn dogs did you give this episode, Aaron?
1: I'm going to um, I'm going to give it four. Mm hmm. I thought that it was a solid episode. Um, I think that I did have problems with it. I completely agree with your kill and I think that um, the emotional beats were good, but there were some like factual logistic things that didn't quite make sense with the with the double standard about death, with the actual mission, with what Sarah did and didn't know, all of those things. I think there were some points of confusion. Um, but I think that it was overall a good episode. I think that um, all the performances were really good. And I think it is pretty interesting. Um, like, I I like that they found a way around... Like, I think that it brings up some interesting uh, identity crisis issues where, like, Chuck is a spy, but he actually didn't kill someone. I think this is a weird test logistically because, like... I feel like from what we've seen, like, Sarah and Casey have had to kill, like, dozens of people per episode, like, in some of these fights. So if your test is you just have to kill one person, like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like Chuck should have had to kill more people, is my point. <laughs>
0: just
1: make Chuck kill more people, and then I'll give you five corn dogs. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I didn't think it was perfect. Mm-hmm. So, four corn dogs.
0: I'm a little bit more generous this time around. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of cool. five. I really enjoyed this episode, even though there is significant plot stuff happening in this. I feel like it was a nice reprieve from the two previous episodes, which were just so dense, I felt, and Mm -hmm. jam-packed with drama and that plot development. I think Mm -hmm. it had a little bit of a lighter tone at some parts with the subway stuff. Um, Even the the first half of the episode when things are going right, things are going good, things are okay, seemed like it was kind of nice. And then the end when it turns into be more serious and dramatic, I thought that they handled it really well and it was believable. Yeah. I really appreciated the twist of Casey shooting Perry and making it seem like Chuck did it. I feel like that's just some really mm-hmm. good drama that is really just clever and smart, and we don't always see that on Chuck. And I was feeling these sparks between Chuck and Sarah, which was, was really great, and I hope that they could get back together. But obviously they didn't in this episode, and that's fine. Not in this one. But very solid. Very solid.
1: I'd like to um pay a quick visit to our friends at the IMDb Plot Keywords page. Sure. Because... Um, My two favorites are, um, there are two keywords that are uh, right next to each other in this list. There's 15 total, but I'm just going to point out these two. On the left side of the column is public nudity, and on the right side of the column is subway restaurant. So, there you go. I just liked the uh, juxtaposition of those two things. Need we say more? So, that's uh, truck versus the final exam. Do you think we passed? Do you want to give us a grade?
0: (laughs) Uh yeah, listeners, if you think we passed this episode, I I don't know when grades are coming out, but feel free to uh, tweet at us. Drop us a
1: drop us a review. Write us write us a review and let us know if we passed. But I mean, if you if you think we didn't pass, maybe don't don't write the review. You could tweet at us, but don't don't bring our rating down. Would be nice. But if you think (laughs) we did pass, you can give us five stars or however many stars you want. But like probably five would be nice.
0: Aaron is really protective of our perfect five star rating, which yes. is, now that we're talking yeah, about from it,
1: from one person,
0: will absolutely bring down the score. But that's fine. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I hope we passed. I feel like we passed. Um, yeah,
1: I think I'm feeling pretty good about our, our score.
0: Well, one thing that I want to say before signing off is that there was one uh, viewer of the show who feels that the show did not pass on in one regard. Uh, They wrote a user review on IMDB that I would like to share with everyone. Uh, I don't have the user's name, but this is a a user review that is actually a factual error is where it's listed under under, uh, IMDB. Quote, Subway is a national chain and all their stores operate the same. When you enter, you are at the bread end of the assembly line. They build your sandwich slash wrap to your specifications. Once it's made and wrapped in wax paper... The person at the cash register asks if you would like tr- drinks, chips, or any extras to go with your sandwich or wrap. Then they take your money. They do deliver it to your table in some stores, but they do not ask you to pay at the table.
1: So that's what I said.
0: I'm going to leave you with that. This has been Chris Gillespie letting you know that food is sexy. <laughs> hey?
1: And this is Aaron Arata. Uh That's given me a lot to think about, um, but I'm letting you know that anything is possible,
0: except for Subway. Asking yeah, no. for payment at the table. That will no, not it will happen. That will never
1: happen. Ever. No. Absolutely not.
0: And on our way out, I'm going to play a random assortment of the Morning Zoo radio sound effects that we had earlier. <laughs> Here they are. Enjoy. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Crazy Chris signing off.
1: Raging <laughs> Rapid Rivers, Aaron Arata. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to go check yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.